0: When the Rav uh, got involved with the whole question of the Havati and whether Leil HaSedah also celebrates uh, coming into Eretz Yisrael, and the Rav explained that it does not, that based upon the of and therefore Leil HaSedah, the Vahavati, the fifth cup, would have no purpose. Of course, the Rav was challenged, I told you the story last week, by a student, uh, Yosef Klausner, and... Uh, I described Klausner to you trying to let you have an appreciation of what had happened. And Klausner, Kedako Bekodesh, wrote a 25-page letter to the Rav, citing all types of sources, all types of uh to show that Pesach is involved with Eretz Israel and that he takes issue with the Rav. What I want to call your attention to is what I said, and perhaps some of you took it as just a, uh, a funny comment. But the Rav was an excellent Makhaneh. And when he said to Klausner, you have to understand, as I described last week, that Klausner showed it around the class. And I know Klausner well. He was my student many, many years. And uh, the whole class is waiting. The Rav comes back. And we have here Talmudim of the Rav. who you know what I'm talking about? The Rav would leave on Wednesday, come back on Tuesday. And uh, the Rav walked in on Tuesday. Although in those years already, the Rav said Shum three times the week at yeshiva, actually. Uh, when he said Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. He would leave on Thursday come back on Tuesday, and the whole class was agitated, what would the Rav say? And the Rav looks at Klausner, and he says, Klausner, my bikid isn't as great as yours. Pauses, but you're still wrong. I don't agree with you. What I want to call your attention to is how the Rav knew how to give him a compliment. And as I said last week, you thought I said it in jest, I meant it seriously. That that probably, unfortunately, was the high point of Klausner's life until now. Of course, Klausner today is in his 40s. He hasn't married. He's a great Talmud Chacham who never has achieved the promise, has not turned into a a practical result. But the Rebbe was an excellent Machanich. And he could have, you know, he could have said to Klausner, when I learned in Lakewood, um, so there was... They told me... I mean, I was shocked. I came to Lakewood as a young kid. And in... Ravar Kutla I mean you know Ra Kutler, Kletkara Sheshiva were talking here, Gedolim uh, Shabart and I was sitting there, a kid frightened stiff and the you know the older Talmud, and Rabah would open his mouth 10 minutes into the shea, they would start yelling at each other and shouting at each other and and they would ask questions and the Kkletzkata and they would speak cynically and the Rosh Yeshiva, Shishiva I felt the Rambam is missing a Rambam. And Rabban would shoot back, Amoritz, and you know, that was Mamish. Uh, and I was shocked as a kid, and they tell me that that was the tradition in Europe, that it seems this goes all the way back to the legend that when Gedoli, Gedoli Yisrael said Sheyurim, students cut them off, they argued, they fought, they battled, and here the Rav walked in, you see, he could have set the clowns the, ah, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, Klausner, what are you off the wall? You're quoting of Dashanim, and I'm quoting a Avuchim. But he gave Klausner his covet. You, your Bikid is greater than mine. He paused. And uh, then he told Klausner, Vafal piken. I don't agree with you. So I just call your attention, because last week I told the story in passing, but I realized that for future Makhanchim, it's, it's worth uh, emphasizing the greatness of the Rav simply as a Makhaneich in this give and take. Now, we also spoke about last week, which I still shiver and shake when I think of it, the Rav is going to Shavuot, on why we hold the coast at Bechol uh, Dov Adom, Dimun And that's brisk, brisk at work, because on one hand, in order to hold the coast there has to be a kiyam. The, 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 you see, when it's a pichat mitzvah, that's chazalvom attacking the bracher on a kos, so there's a tzirif between holding the kos to what you're saying. That's why we hold the coast during Kiddush. I, uh, that's why we hold the coast during Birchat uh, Kedushin, Birchat Mesuin, Sheva Brachas, whatever you think of, uh, uh, a Brit Milah, where, uh, wherever Chazal made a ticket of the Bracha on the coast. So, of course, the coast has, there's a Zikah. I don't know how to say that in English, but there's an interconnection between the Kosher Bracha and the Bracha you're making. But the Rav asked, it's a Ganesha question, why do we pick up the Kos? When we say, Then we put the Kos down, what's happening here? And that's a Ganesha Vatsi, that's the Rav already. You're overwhelmed, only your a mind like his. And the rub explained that the Kos, in language of Tanakh, Represents destiny, Jewish destiny. And I gave you many examples last week. The Rav gave a few. I even added to it. So the Rav said, You know why we hold the Kos? It is symbolic that this is our destiny. We can't escape our destiny. A Jew has to know, behold, it's a meridic part. And then We finished out last week, and this too is a basic theme, and I I, I don't have time, I I don't want to go into it now, it would take me far abreast, but I once did it in the kolel uh, within the greater context of the Rub's development, but the whole concept that a Torah Jew not only celebrates the past, but he anticipates the future as if it's already here. And that's why on Leil Haseda, it's not just that we're reliving an event that happened thousands of years ago, but as we approach the apex, we are overjoyed that Lashon Atid, Nishmat Chalchai Tavareich, uh, everything is Lashon uh, that we feel even the future redemption. A Jew is caught up with not only the past, but the future as well. And that's, of course, uh, which leads me something I didn't say last week. But there you have one of the most beautiful stories the Rev ever told about his youth. Is after all Leil the al Hagoyim. So what do we do? We open the door. We open the door for the Yohanavi. The minute we open the door for the Yohanavi, at that moment you already are anticipating the future. So that you see, it's not just in Lushan, and not like just in language, and not just the examples I gave you last week, but. In addition, the, not just the normal fun of Shirah Hadasha, the, the Shira becomes so beautiful, so so tangible. It's the future where Solomon, you open the door, over is there. And that's uh, the story the Ruff told. Um, you know, the Ruff told the story many times. Certain stories that happened to him in his youth, he repeated time and again. But uh, when I was working on my book, I was trying my best, every story, every in- insight, Where did the rev actually say it? So, of course, he said it many times, but where do I have it on tape? And I found it on tape. It was a Pesach he gave in the early 70s in uh, Moria. And he told the story how uh, he was a kid of about seven, eight. And, you know, a kid, seven, eight is pure, yet his belief is pure. He's tamim. He hasn't uh, been affected by life. And his father sends him to open the door. And he's filled with Hittrak He's opening the door. Eliyohan Navi. And he opens the door. And in the cold winter night of uh, Pujana of Poland or Haslavic, wherever he was at the time, he opens the door. And there's a Jew with a long white beard covered by snow standing there. And the Rev said he was overwhelmed. He was convinced that this was Eliyahu Navi, and you know what the story was? It was a Jew that Nebuch was tired. You know how hard we worked for the for the first Seder. That's why I say the only Yuntiv Sheni I miss in Israel is Pesach, of course, the first Seder. You work so hard, you're so exhausted. The second Seder you can enjoy. So this poor Jew fell asleep in the middle of the meal, and he was worried when he woke up. Could he continue the Seder? Because it's a whole halacha, you can't eat the Kop and pesach in two places. So here, he fell asleep. Is this like eating it with, with, in two different places with, with, with hesachadat? Could he continue? Could he eat the afikoman? Could he finish the seder? And that's the question he came to ask, Rab Moshe. And the Reb said, "But I thought it was nothing." But you know, it's amazing. The Rav was such as a human being, and this is something all this Talmudim will stress, there were no heirs about him. Again, in my work on the Rav, I quote this too from others who describe him. There were no heirs. So the audience, the guys in, uh, in you got to remember that in, uh, in Moria already, it was uh, an audience of, of older Talmudim. And they spoke with the Rav the way we wouldn't dare in the 50s. Although by the 70s, everyone spoke to the Rav. He was a Zayda figure. So to the Rev. what did your father answer? In other words, the audience was already was so inspired, what did your father answer? And the Rev responded, how do I know? He says, I was a kid, the, the halachas didn't interest me at that time. He said, I only thought it was a lior, nothing. But what my father answered, I don't remember. Okay, so that ended off um, all the months we spent on Pesach. Now. Then I told you, uh, I said I would hope I would finish this before Jack got back. But as usual, my plans uh, w- went haywire. Why? Because I told you that I'm now breaking with my tradition. Generally speaking, I never repeat a shear within a cycle. And this is a five-year cycle. But what happened was, I gave the shear publicly uh, one night, shluis night in all um, in Rifkam. And Jack wanted me to do the shear again when he could take notes. So a number of years ago, I redid the shear within this cycle. I don't remember when. It may be three years ago now. So, but I want to do it again. I'll tell you why. Because I want to give you Chazal say Dava Velo dava. In other words, once we already started with Purim and Hanukkah and, and Sukkot and, and, and Pesach, so now I want to do Shavuot and, and I started this year Talmud and Rebbe. Now, but before I go further, I have to tell you something dawned upon me this week. As a matter of fact, just yesterday, what happened yesterday was when I left the demonstration... So a uh, brother of a student of mine from the Kolil about uh, 10, 12 years ago, uh, and his brother, uh, it's Benji Ginsberg, some of you may know him, Rabbi Benjamin Ginsberg. His brother, Rabbi Benish Ginsburg. I don't know what name you know him by, and he teaches in Michalá. So he saw me leaving the demonstration, and I called him, I had to make my way back to my car, which was parked about 25 minutes away, walking, because uh, I had to. I wanted to get to the Kohlel on time to uh, see that everything was ready for the shir of yesterday. So he walked with me and he starts telling me that Rabbi Meissman, he heard, I responded to Rabbi Meissman's article and he starts encouraging me, why don't I go public, why don't I write a letter, why don't I do this, that, the other thing. So I told him that until my volumes appear on the rav, maharon, I can't say a word after that. Now's not the time for me to get involved in any public writing on the rav until the main thrust appears. So he said to me, in michalah, they take that that article K- Ketorat Moshe that this is the Rav the way Meiselman describe him this is the Rav so we started talking Meiselman makes the statement there that uh, this is the question he asked me Meiselman says that the Rav spoke against saying Halil and Yom Smut in front of thousands of people thousands what's Meiselman referring to it had dawned upon me and I told him and he jumped for joy and this is what I want to tell you just to fill in what we did in class Remember when we did the Shira on um, Shira B'Kli, Shira B'Migdash? Remember we got involved with uh, ha- ha- that kolomer halel b'chal yom de Gemara Shabbos is mecharif Umagadef et HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's where the Rav explained the Gemara in front of thousands of people. That's what Rabbi Meiselman is referring to. Yes, absolutely. The Rav went into a tremendous discourse there. I have it on tape. You heard me redo it. It's one of the most meridic pieces of Torah that I ever heard from the Rav. By the way, it's written up in Sheirun uh, Lezei Murray. but somehow when it's written up there, it loses the Rav's uh, delivery was even more inspiring than the way it's written up. And. And, of course, he, he developed the whole concept of why we can't daven all day and why we can't go praising God all day and the whole heter of tefillah, how do we have a right to daven all together. Remember, I did the whole shi'a. It took weeks, but it was a Meridic shi'a. We went into the greatness of shofar and dancing and clapping hands and bowing and song without words. That's where the Rav spoke. Against. It's an open Gemara. But the Rav never mentioned there, Ki there? I have the tape. The Rav never mentioned Halil and Yomatzmut. you understand? Never. For thousands of people, he touched up a Gemara. What does he have to do with Halil and Yomatzmut? So then, and that's where Rabbi Meiselman, it's just unbelievable what he wrote, among other things in the article. But anyway, this particular fellow, Rabbi Benish Ginsburg, a year ago in Michala, he was challenged with the Rav, Halel and Yomatzmut. so he called Rabbi ganek He evidently is very close to Rabbi Menachem Ganek. Rabbi Ganek called a Turatweski. And a Taratweski, I mean Ribanish is the Rav's daughter. She said Aidut Nemana that in the Maimonides minion where the Rav Ravdavan they said halal Shalom without a bracha and yomatsmut. They got hold of someone else from YU, he told me he did real research. And the guy said Eidut Nemana that at the minion the Rav Ravdavan they said Hatzik Halil without a bracha. Yet that was the Rav's preference. Now, did the Rav say Hallel? Didn't he say Hallel? Was he Hayshish, Maharef, Magadev? I don't know. All I can say is that Rabbi Benish Ginsburg heard testimony from people who davened next to the Rav that he said Hallel word by word with everybody else in the tshippah. I'm willing to accept the fact that the Rav, being the great Rav, the great brisker, he was Chayshish, Macharif magadev. that's not a formal takon of Chazal. Maybe he didn't say Hallel, could be, but he never interfered with the tzibor saying Hallel. And what, what, what Meiselman says in the article is frightening. He leads you to the impression that that whole champion of thousands of people was Macharif Magadav, including Yom It had nothing to do with it whatsoever. And I finally just want to, I just say this in passing because we dealt with it in class. And we dealt with the source material. But where the Rav, the famous Shia, where the Rav was angry, I heard that Shia via tape as well. I'm revealing all my secrets to you. How God privileged me, I don't know. I'm I, 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 The Rav was angry. Anyone would be angry. I would have flipped my lid. No one questions whether I'm a Zionist or not. We been a line, even Moshe Shera, when we met for the first time back in 1981, Moshe Shera said to me, and I have witnesses, In you're the last Zionist, he said. Yeah, I told you what he said, he said, we checked out who you are, you're a Gron, you're a tzaddik, you're the last Zionist in the world. And I responded, I said, Reb Moshe, I, I don't know if I'm a gon, I don't know if I'm a Tzadik, but one thing I can tell you for sure, in your office I'm talking the last Zionist in the world. And from that moment on, we became bosom buddies. So um what he was angry at was he that that, that at the minute he died I mean the chutzpah they had a Kibbutz Adati minion. This was the late 60s. That's the first time it happened. It repeated itself again in the late 70s. But a Kibbutz Adati Minyan. They read from the Torah on a Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever Yom Atzimut was that year. They, they they read a Haftorah with brachot. So the Rav, you understand, then when you get involved, you read, they blow Shofa, Lachad Dodi, Haporis. I remember the Rav with my own ears. Haporis Sukkot Shalom. All right, so that, that doesn't mean the Rav is not a Zionist. All it means, that the rub is a great London, but to take from that critique and reach the conclusions that Meiselman reached, it's just frightening. Okay, I don't want to go further because I said last week what I said, and I think I hit the nail on the head that Meiselman's big mistake was that he took the rub's hesbit for the brisker rub and turned it around and put the rub into that category. To put the rub in the category of the brisker rub is, is absolutely frightening because. I heard the she'er. Maybe Marvin, you heard the she'er. He must be the brisker Rav. I was there, and that's the famous incident with the chazonish. And the Rav is like the Chazon You don't believe me? Look at Rakefed's book. Picture of the Rav with David Mengurian. Picture of the Rav with Menachem Begin. Unless you're going to accuse Rakefed of falsifying pictures and playing with a the computer, there's the evidence. So how do you go? It's frightening now. I'm only saying what I'm saying on the basis of the draft that was given to me by the boys in the Kolel. The article I have not yet seen. I have to see whether the article is any different than the draft. But I can't respond beyond this. It's now on tape. If it reaches Bainish-Ginsburg, I'll be happy. But I can't respond beyond this at this moment in time. You have to understand me. I have to wait till the books appear, till the critiques are in, till Chaim Soloveitchik has his wrought on what I've published on the rub. And when it's all over and the smoke will clear, the I will rise from the phoenix now that, ok so now we come to Shavuos now as I said last week the shirim about to give and today we come into the heart of the shir the shirim about to give was never given by the Rav yet every word that I will say you'll see I could never be on a level to come out with such beautiful chidushim. every word is the Rav the only thing Aaron Rakeffer did is he put it together into one unit I took for many different shirim giving over a period of 35-40 years and I put it together in one unit and all I'm interested in is the relationship between Talmud and Rabbi. so we began last week you know, and the heart of the shi last week was Hilchat Tefillah Ber Berhalach Aleph Moshe Rabbeinu when he Tikkun uh, Lehemle uh, Israel, they shouldn't go three days but out here in Kriya Torah by the way this week is an exceptional week because we have Kriyat Torah Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday this really happens but this is an exceptional week, it's not, not Hanukkah, and yet we, it's not Cholamai. and yet, Baruch Hashem, we have Creed Torah Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So uh, w- when the Rambam formulated this takonah of Moshe Rabbeinu, he adds on the word, below Shmiyat HaTorah. And I showed you last week the Gemara, that when we, when we, when we see the Gemara, when we see the Gemara, the Gemara doesn't have the word Shmira Torah. The Rambam added on a word. He added on a word. The Gemara in Baba Kama talks about they went three days without Torah the lul. They were weary. Moshe Rabbeinu made made this Takana. By the way, this may be the earliest Takana we know of. The earliest Takana. Moshe Rabbeinu Yisrael, Sheikarim, the Torah, a Meredict Takana. Avi, why did the Rambam add Shemitah? And there, the heart of last week's shi'a was the difference between Torah Shabuch and Torah Shabal Torah is a mitzvah in Kriya. It's a mitzvah in perception. It has nothing to do with comprehension. Hakel, I showed you, it's an open gemara in Chagiga, that the women didn't understand. The children certainly didn't understand. It's perception. Like yesterday, if you saw the rally yesterday, the amount of women, the amount of children, the amount of baby carriages. It's overwhelming. It's Baruch Hashem. That we should live to see, those of us that lived through the Holocaust, that lived through that period, that remember what Am Yisrael was like in 1946 and 47 and 48, that we should see what we saw yesterday. Halavayat should be not to demonstrate against, but to demonstrate for, not to have the negative problems. So uh, it's perception. There's no comprehension. When it comes to Torah Shabbat Peh, if you don't have comprehension, there's no kiyam whatsoever. And I showed you, this is the Gemara in the Durham, that Moshe Rabbeinu, the Blupula, the Oraita, that because Torah Shabbat Per involves comprehension, you gain it. It belongs to you. Torah Tav, you're the shliach. I showed you the Rambam, Hilchat HaGig, remember? Ha Melech Shliach is the shliach of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's not his Torah He just reads it at HaKel. It's the shliach. Torah Shabbat Per belongs to you. It's comprehension. You gain it. I have to say there was a funny moment in class last week which um, when I look back, it, uh, it was funnier than I realized at the moment that happened. I gave an example of um, how you could learn Torah Shabbat and out of comprehension. So I gave an example. If someone sits in Rabar Lichtenstein shear for two hours, he doesn't understand anything. Does he have a mitzvah of Talmud Torah? And the way the fellows looked at me, that example was too good. I later heard from Yosef Fridman uh, a, in a different context altogether, but my example was too good. But you don't have a mitzvah, there's no two ways about it. If you sit in the Shia, the outside Shia of the Rav, Balabatim used to come, the Rav spoke four and a half hours. How much did the Balabas comprehend? I remember asking of Joseph Weiss, how much did the Balabatim comprehend? But the Kiyom is covered Torah. That's a different story. That if you sit at a shi'a two hours, by God will be Israel and you give them the covert, even if you don't understand, so it's perception. Perception is a mitzvah cover Torah. That much there is. But Talmud Torah, by Torah Shabal Peh can only be with comprehension. And we ended off the class last week that this is Tosvat. Remember I showed you the Tosvat? Melech Shemachal al However, uh, and what's the difference? Why can a Talmud Why is it allowed to be Michael on this cupboard? Why can a Talmud Chachem say, don't stand up for me? I, uh, the, the, I, I want to pay full taxes. I don't want a reduction. Whatever halacha there is in relation to a Talmud Chachem. And Tosvet says so beautifully, and that's exactly the theme we're developing. Once you own it, once you learn it, once you comprehend it, you make a king in it, and it belongs to you. And if this is the case, then we can understand another difference between Torah Shubachtav and Torah And here, here's the Gemara in Bechorah. A very fascinating sugya. It's not an easy sugya, because there's a problem here with variant readings. But you'll see the way the Rav handles it, it becomes very clear. Gemara in Bechorah, Tav <laughs> if a person takes money to be a dayan, to be a murehara, everything he does has no validity. Minahani mila? <laughs> How do we know this? Gemara asks. Our Rav Dioma Kran. They cite a pasuk. The varim peredale reeli madi ethem chukim emushpatim. Hashedzivani Hashem alokhechem Hashem alokai. Re'eli madi etchem chukim mishpatem hashedzivani Hashem Look, Moshe Rabbeinu says to the Jews, "I taught you chukim and mishpatim the way God taught me." And the Gemara says, "Ma ani b'chinim af ata b'chinim." Just as I taught you for nothing, just as God taught me for nothing. Just as God taught me for nothing, I taught you for nothing, you have to teach for nothing. Very interesting Gemara. Very interesting Mishnah. The implications of this Mishnah are very far-reaching. It affects everyone in this room, basically. It could very well be Me'ika Hadin. We're not allowed to be paid a salary for being Rabbanim, for being Machanchem, for being teachers. Kadam on this Gemara and on this concept that I've just touched upon, and the Kadam and P.K. Avad, I don't have to tell you there's an entire literature. The Rambam himself and the Parish Mishnais, the P.K. Avad, maledicts all the rabbis that take money. The Rambam later is attacked by Rishonim, uh, the Tashbates, there are a number of Chuvat there, uh, Rab ben Sadok. How could you attack people who have to make a living? You were a doctor. You had a profession. But we have no profession if we don't make a living from Torah, from teaching how will we support ourselves. And the whole union of Shomik which is developed already by the Rishonim, that we get paid because if we wouldn't take care of the kids or wouldn't take care of the congregants on Shabbos morning, they'd be running around. They'd be causing trouble. So we're babysitters. All right. It's it's not a happy not a happy conclusion, and uh, uh, it has to be analyzed further. Now's not the time for it, but you all can see the problem right away. Fine. Look into the Gemara in the D'orim, Da La Medzayin similar sugya, and the Gemara says Dafilu B'Mokim Shenotin S'cha Al Hamikra Shari La Al very fascinating Gemara and the Gemara says that even where you take money Dominicist people take money Dominicist people get paid so for teaching Mikra for teaching Chumash for teaching how to read Chumash perhaps how to read Tanakh you're allowed to get paid but for teaching medrash, which of course reflects Torah Shabbat you're not allowed to get paid. What's happening here? Hilchat the Rambam, Parakal of Halachasayin. Makam shenahogul alam me Torah Shabbat per b'scha mutalalam eid b'scha. Avo Torah Shabbat per asul alam eid b'scha shenemar re'eli madeti erchem chukim mishpatem kashet zivani Hashem. Maani b'chinenam lamadeti. May HaKadosh Baruch Hu I'm putting that in parentheses Avi, Nataniel, what's happening here? The Rambam puts together both Gemaras The Rambam puts together the Gemara in Bukharad With the gemara in the Durham. And the Rambam paskins It reminds me of his Psak On a woman studying Talmud Torah Very similar Lachatechila, a woman can't study any Torah. But the Rambam says, Bidi Yavad, if she studies Torah Shebekhtav, it's not terrible, it's only Torah Sheba pay, you shouldn't teach her. Here the Rambam says something very similar, but in a different context. The Rambam says, Lachatechila, it's better you shouldn't get paid at all. Teaching Torah can't get paid at all, not allowed to take any scha But he says, Bidi Yavad, if you're going to get paid, only get paid for teaching Torah Shebech Torah that's where he applies the Gezeret HaKatav, Ma'ani And the Rambam learns Pshat, what does it mean Ma'ani God didn't charge Moshe Rabbeinu anything for teaching him Torah Shebaopeh, and therefore, Moshe taught it to the Jews. He didn't charge them. The same way Moshe taught it to them, all the rabbanim have to teach. No, this is the way the rabbinim learns pshat. If those of you that know the Surya, I'm going according to the rabbinim's derech, there's a problem here with shininuschat. What does it mean exactly? Who is pshinim? But this is the way the Ram learns pshat. What's happening here? God only taught Moshe Torah what about Torah Shebechtav? What's the Rambam doing here? How's he differentiating? You follow my question? It's a powerful question. God taught Moses everything. Moshe Rabbeinu learned the Torah Shebechtav with the Kaddish Baruch Hu learned the Torah Shabbat. everything. How do you differentiate? And, and the Rambam sort of makes a compromise between both Gemaras, the Gemara in the Dharam, the Gemara in the, Bukharat, and the Rambam reaches a simple conclusion. Don't get paid at all for teaching Torah. But if you're not a doctor and you're not a dentist and you're not a lawyer and you're not an accountant and your only profession is to teach Torah, so Torah Shebachtav, teach for nothing, on the house. Torah Shebalpeh, Medrash, what we called last week the Pilpula Dialma, that you're allowed to get paid for. What's happening? What's Pshat in the Rambam? And the Rav said so beautifully. Take the thing we developed last week and apply it. The Rav said so beautifully. Torah never becomes yours. All you're doing is passing on a divine tradition which is limited to a mechanical performance of reading. Nothing to do with understanding. It's perception. You're no more than a messenger boy. No more than a messenger boy. All right. If you're no more than a messenger boy, you have to get paid. You're the messenger boy. It's not yours. You're just passing it on. That becomes yours. You make a it. You, you have to understand it. Moshe Rabbeinu had to work very hard to master it. In those days, everything had to be known by heart. And even today, when we write it down, mastering Toshba Pah is the greatest challenge we have. How do you teach it? You take youngsters. We're all youngsters. It's a different language. You can know Hebrew inside out perfectly. Open up a Gemara, it's a different world. Aramaic, and here we are in the year 2000. Everyone in this class is a master of Aramaic. Willy nilly, we have to master it. We have to understand it. We have to comprehend it. Rashi, Tosvat, Rambam, Raivit. a Mashur, a Mashal. Have to comprehend it. A Chazonish, a Rabchayim, on the Rambam. Where you gain it, it's yours. Once it's yours, then God can say to you, it's yours, it belongs to you. Give it away for nothing. This already God can say to you. Once you own it, we have a right to demand, waive it, don't get paid for it, give it away. Like you give away, yesterday a student came to me, he found a, a safer of mine wandering around here with my name in it. I gave it to him a gift, I signed it over to him, it's the happiest guy in the world. Avi Avi Willick, happiest guy in the world. How can I give it away? It's mine, it belongs to me. Belongs to me? Give it away. You want to be generous? The divleve follow a kabbish baruch hu. The gemara in the dorem Moshe Rabbeinu got it for nothing. Pass it on for nothing. But that's Torah Shabbat per. Torah, Torah Shabbat You don't really gain it. It's not really you're a messenger boy. All right. La chatchila, a messenger boy. Ask him to be nice, to be decent. But if he insists, look, I'm only a messenger boy. All right. There the Torah is not adamant with the Avad. Let him take money for being a messenger boy. For as the HaKel, as the Rambam called the Melechon HaKel. But when it comes to Torah Shavalt, eh? it's yours. Totally yours. Whatever you know, you made the Kenyan, belongs to you. It belongs to you? Give it away. Be generous. Be like Moshe Rabbeinu. That's the way the Rev put together the Rambam's psak, the Gemurim Bechorot and the Gemara in the Dharam. And if you know the Sug well, it's Kulo Chiddush here. It's beautiful, because it gives you a way to get through the problem with the shinius Khat and it makes tremendous sense, because, you know, there's a whole problem. What does it mean? Ma'ani Bechinim, Afatah Bechinim, Who taught Moshe Bechinim? Was it Moshe teaching the Jews Bechinim? You teach Bechinim? Where does HaKadosh Baruch in? And Torah Shabuch Torah Beautiful. That's the difference. Ah. But now, Watch. If this is so, if this is so, or this Hanukkah, or this Teher, we used to say in the yeshiva, uh, is correct that Torah Shabal Peh belongs to the Rebbe, then we can understand a different Gemara altogether. Gemara brachat, Dav Samech Gimel, Aleph. Tanya, very interesting Gemara, and I'll show you uh, very practical implications. And let me just explain it in simple English. When people draw together, you teach. When people are teaching, you be silent. And what does it mean? What does it mean? Rashi explains. Now what is Hillel saying? You see, there are certain times there are plenty of yeshivat. Everyone is teaching Torah. Everyone is studying Torah under those conditions you do not have an obligation to go out and teach you can desist, you can go into your corner sit and learn, become the Vilna Gong the Vilna Gong never taught formal classes his entire life till he was forty he didn't let anyone sit with him and learn with him when he turned forty he allowed students to come into his base medrash and they could sit with him and watch him learn, watch him study, see him develop ideas. But he could be the Vilna Gon. It was the time when every youngster was studying Torah. It was still before the Enlightenment came to Eastern Europe. But then there are times where no one is teaching. Even if you're not the greatest individual. Even if you're not the Rashka Bahag. Even if you don't have so much confidence go out and teach. And simple example, Mr. Shraga Feivel Mendelovich, the man who put Torah Vedas on the map. Torah Vedas was founded as an elementary yeshiva by the Mizrahi element that then lived in Williamsburg, then lived in Brooklyn, Rev. Mayor Berlin, these people were from, they were Mizrahiites that's, that was the firmest type of Jew you had in America at that time they found the Torah of it began as an elementary yeshiva and then they wanted to begin a high school and they needed a dynamic personality and in Scranton, Pennsylvania there was Mr. Mendelovitch who was running a Talmud Torah he wasn't a Gadol Sheba but they saw the man had tremendous organizational ability they pleaded with him come to New York head up the Torah of well at that time how many masifta did you have in America? How many yeshiva Schools did you have? How much Torah learning was there? MTA, Torah Vadas, RJJ, that's the whole picture. Mr. Mendelovitch came and the rest is history. Torah Vadas became a major institution. So it's an amazing gemara that if others are teaching, you don't have to strain yourself. But if others aren't teaching, go out and do what you can. And then the Gemara continues. V'merita dasha Torah chaviva l'av shenema. According a pasuk from Mishlei, you pasuk chavkalad yeshma fazer v'nosaf old. Vimrita dasha shenah Torah kaneish shenema. They quote the pasuk in Tehillim, Kuf Yutet pasuk Kuf Kafav, Ait La l'ashem ha'feirot Torah techa. And again, a very similar theme. You find a generation that loves Torah like our generation our generation is a perfect example go out teach bring them back enlighten them be makare with them and you find a generation where people have animosity for Torah hate Torah don't teach imagine you're invited to a merits convention and they asked you to speak about what Torah is all about you have to wait, whether you'll go, won't go Tzachiyan Egbi went yesterday to the Meretz uh, anti-religious uh, convention in Gansaka. They booed him. Booed him. Yeah, democracy. He had different points of view. Enlightened people. Didn't Judge Barak refer to his ilk as Naorim, enlightened? The Minister of Justice of the State of Israel appears before you, and the to face the 12,000 people present would somehow majestically, in the leftist press, became 50,000. But I walked by and I saw the crowd. If there were 12,000 there, I'm overstating the case. They booed him. They booed him. You got to think. Go. Oh, what? When? Where? Debate. Where? Speak. Know How? Radio. TV. These are difficult questions. But look what the Gemara says. Where they left Torah, go and give it to them. Where they are out to attack Torah, stay home. Don't speak. Rashi's words, told the Torah Don't let the Torah become embarrassed. But what do you see from here? It's an amazing Gemara. What do you see from here? From both parts of the Gemara, the great Talmud Chachem has a choice. Do you know why he has a choice? The Torah belongs to him. It's like his car. It's like his library. His video collection. His tape collection. His book collection. His collection of svarim. Call it what you wish. Belongs to him. If it belongs to you, if Torah Feb belongs to you, then you have the right to do what you want. And if you see it's a generation where you're needed, be generous. Go and teach. You're not needed there are others teaching. You have every right. Retire. Go back to your to your little corner. Become a Reb Haim Zimmerman. That's an example from our times. Reb Chaim Zimmerman died. I came into the kolil so upset. No one in the kolil knew who Reb Chaim Zimmerman was. Could you imagine? He had gone into such a small corner here. No one knew who Reb Chaim Zimmerman was. Young men like this. Fine young men. Didn't know who Reb Chaim Zimmerman was. Couldn't understand why I was upset. Reb Chaim Zimmerman died. And, but all right. He lived at a time others were teaching, he owned his Torah, he could go into a little corner, do as he wants. You're invited to speak, you don't automatically have to say yes. Next week I'm speaking, or this week, I don't even know when, I've got to look at my calendar. But Rabbi Lamb, I was recommended something with, with, the, with the Karen how you sold to speak about the Rav for rabbis. All right, I said yes, believe me, it's the only public speaking I'll, I'll do for a long time outside of what I'm forced to do or have to do I said yes one second I, 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 I. Stuart it Stu it I'm very uh, if someone speaks while I'm speaking it tortures my throat you have to have mercy on a Rebbe of 40 years ok let me go further that's the Pshat that's the Pshat and the sugya. Josh that's the Pshat otherwise it makes no sense what's going on here that's the pshat. But it's more than that. The gemara in bracha, tabchav chetom alef. the gemara. A gemara that we have, this, those of us that are mechantchem, we live with this problem day in and day out, year in and year out. Those of us that, that are mechantchem, that are principles, that we're tortured by this problem. the gemara. Tremendous machloket. Rabbi Gamliel was very arrogant within the context of Chazal. It's the president in Assi. And he didn't understand simple poor Jews that didn't come from a princely family and didn't have that background, didn't have that wealth. So the Chachamim were angry the way he treated. You remember, with Rabbi Yehoshua, that Machlaikas, that Machlaikas, they didn't treat Rabbi Yehoshua properly. He was the prince, the Chachamim felt, and they just deposed Rabbi Leo And in his place, they appointed. Rebbe ben ben All of you know that his beard turned white overnight. He was a youngster, but the minute you're appointed to a high position and this responsibility, that's the end of the human being. You understand? Anyone who became a Chaver Kneset, even if he was a Talmud to begin with, for the next four years he never opened the Sefer again. Believe me, I know some of them up close. If they're in the Knesset for 12 years, they forget everything they ever knew. So, uh, so, uh, uh, Rabbi Leza ben Azayah, and then they're going to tell us something amazing. An amazing story. You remember the Gemara with with Hillel, with the Gemara in Yuma. Hillel couldn't get into the Beit Merdush. There was a Shomer. You had to pay tuition. You had to pay to enter. This was a serious business. Rabbi Gamliel had a Shomer. They checked out the students. They gave you a Bechina. They checked your, your Shmir at Shabbat. They checked whether you were wearing tzitzit. Didn't like you, couldn't enter. Here, ben Isaiah came in, took away the Shoma, opened up the gates, hundreds of students piled into the Beit Midrash. And what's happening here? It's exactly the same concept. The Torah belongs to the Rebbe. The Rebbe has a right to teach whom he wants. A Rebbe can decide, I want five students, I want ten students. Another Rebbe can say, like a Hasidic Rebbe, I'm open to the public. Lubavitcher Rebbe spoke, I've told you so many times, it's something you don't even comprehend because you know Lubavitcher only from your sarcastic, cynical approach towards the end of his life. One second, Davi. But when the Rebbe had a fabrengan, 8,000 people stood in front of him. Another 50,000 heard the Rebbe via closed circuit TV or cable TV or, or, or via or, or phone hookups every Israeli that came to America that wound up in Lubavitch many of them were graduates of the army of, of what we spoke about yesterday and the week before with our lunch food they were involved in Kesha they knew how to do it what American what American Jewish boy knows how to hook up phones that go all over the world knows how to hook up uh, uh, c- cable TV they knew everything the whole command room they used to say Lubavitch where they broadcast all over the world they said the language they spoke in the command room was Hebrew was all, was all Yardim who went from Gansaka and found religion in 770. So the Rebbe, that was a mass mass, mass movement. The Rav, if you, I mean, in my time, I can't account for what happened in the 1970s, 120 fellas in the class, it's beyond my comprehension. In our time, we sat before the Rav. If you didn't know, you were finished, you were out. The Rav slaughtered you. You don't believe me? Read Chaim Poltak's novels. Read where he writes. What was it? My name is Shashalev. He describes himself and why. That's why you have the right. The Rebbe owns the Torah. You can determine. No one can say to the Rebbe, you don't lecture enough, and you don't teach enough, and you're not open to the public enough. You understand? Every Rebbe has a right to decide within which context he wants to function. Yes, Avi, what's troubling you? The, the Gemara says, yes, I was going to say that. But th- then the Gemara afterwards says, and this, this is why the problem is so difficult. All of you sitting here are getting all excited. That, or oh, Rabbi Gamliel was so cruel and mean, you know, you look at, uh, at, at Gretz, the way Gretz describes, this was Rabbi Zvi, Heinrich Gretz, this was Rabbi Shinch from Ful Hirsch's Talmud. He grew up, he spent formative years in the home of Rabbi Hirsch, and then he became his own Rebbe, had to call him an Apichorus. So the way Gretz writes, Rabbi Gamliel was horrible and terrible, and you know, the way this, he deals with Chazal, like he deals with himself. So the Gemara wants us. After they let in all these hundreds of Talmudim, they were all a bunch of phonies, fake, I wasn't going to call them, white white, 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 white chamarim, I think the Gemara uses the words, empty caskets. So Avi's right. You see, it's not so simple. Don't take this as a criticism of Rabbi Leo, All the Gemara is telling us that the Rebbe owns the Torah. The Rebbe owns the Torah, he has a right to do with it what he wishes. I once had it in Torah against me back in 1971. Uh, I, uh, that was the year I returned to teaching full time the encyclopedia ended and I, everyone would give me a few hours BMT I already had hours Machongold, a few hours Michalar a few hours that year I taught Nefrater, a few hours Lipschitz a few hours I was going out of my mind I didn't know where I was I had to look at my calendar every day where do I go today where do I go today then at the end of the year I had five offers for full jobs So I chose, out of that, I chose a full job, Michalah, and a full job with the Jewish agency, which meant gold and BMT. So Efratah took me to the Torah. I quoted this Gemara. I said, how do do you have a right to force me to teach? Why I don't want to teach. And they were right. I mean, from their point of view, they said, you have influenced the girls. Love you. We need good teachers. Why do you pick the strongest school rather than the weakest school? They were right from their point of view. But if I want to do what I want, I'm selfish, I'm not nice, I'm no good, I'm going to rub a gamlil, call me what you want, smack my face, maledict me, you have every right to. But the glory belongs to me. It's like my wife, is always, she went to the great synagogue, we live here 30 years, the third time she went, and th- I've never gone once, Shabbat. She came back, she's so upset, that all that money wasted, in the women, and this and the, 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 the marble, and, this and, the, and then what could have been done with this. I said, honey, Wolfson gave the money, it's his money, he can do what he wants with it. You know, she's still angry. She said, we could have done this and built yeshiva and built this. and blah. What could have gone on with the money? The great sin is the great sin. It's Wolfson to determine it. For him it's the great synagogue. For you it's the great sin. The difference is, you don't have a penny to your name and Wolfson had a few billion dollars to his name. And he built what he wanted. It's his money. What do you criticize? That's the Gemara. That's the Pshat. But in Chinuch, this is a real problem. What do you do? Is yeshiva education for the elite? Or is it for everybody? It's a real problem. What do you do with a kid who comes into a class? The kid is disturbing the class. On the other hand, you throw this kid out, he's going to be a goy gomor. What do you do with these kids? That's a real problem. In my humble opinion, yeshiva education has to be for everybody. It's not for the elite. It's not a time when Yiddishkeit is on every street corner. On every street corner, you have Monica and Bill dancing together. When I passed Kansaka yesterday, I saw them on the stage dancing right in front of the 12,000 people who were there with all types of rings and all types of flags, including homosexual flags. My daughter pointed that out to me. I didn't realize what that color was. Okay, when we live at a time like that, you have to teach Torah to everybody. And you have to reach a good machana, even a kid who's wild, even a kid who who, who, who you feel you can't control. Somehow there has to be a way. This is what Musra is all about. Somehow there has to be a way. The Alta from Slabatka used to say, everyone can be bribed. It's a meridic story. The Alta once went to the shuk. You know, when I go to the shuk, other people go, also, you look, you learn, you watch, you listen. It's living Torah. So he went to the shuk. And two women were standing next to each other selling potatoes. And these women were cursing each other out. You should drop that under the chuppah when you take your only son to, ch- t- t- to chasana. And you should have an epileptic attack. And your husband should kick you down a flight of steps. And the other one is cursing out the women, blood-curdling, Yiddish curses. And they're jealous because each one is selling potatoes. And then suddenly the one woman, a man comes over and he buys one little kilo of potatoes for two shekel, Two and a half shekel. What it costs today in the shook. And within a second, the woman says, I'm sorry, Nafpali, I translate, you should live and be well and have nachat from the children and live to see Mashiach. And the altar, that I can use, right? The altar from Slabotka, the, the Saba from Slabatka said, take a look, within one second, all these women's curses turn to blessings. That's Chinuch. You got to find, the altar said, how do you get to the student? What turns them on? What reaches him? That's chinuch. That's what it's all about. Okay. So this is the Gemara. What do you want to say, Avi? And the Gemara is also that was wrong. I mean, the this. Avi, I don't know. I don't know if the Gemara implies he was wrong. The Gemara just implies that he knew what he was doing it. You understand? Yeah, I understand. That's just. To, but yeah, but that what you say just to appease him already shows you that Kaddish Baruch Hu was concerned with appeasing Raman Amlil that he wasn't off the wall in his sheathah could be could be could be could be you're right I, I would I, I, certainly Bisman has said you're right I have no doubt about it but nevertheless the Vilna Gaon never left this Dal you understand and this is why I get upset with people who bother me why don't you lecture here why don't you lecture there why don't you do this and I say I lecture here, it's open to the public. Anyone can come in. Tapes are available. What do you want out of me? I'm doing my share. It's my Torah, right? I can't lecture. Like, uh, I have other interests, too. I mean, uh, you understand, uh, at my age already, uh, writing what I want to write is very important to me. So I have to finish out. There's no question. God should give me strength, health. But it's my Torah. is the Gemara. This is the step shot. You understand? Listen. Not so simple give you something to think about. The Vietnam War came. You don't remember this, but we remember it well. Suddenly, all over New York, there were up. It was unbelievable. I was rabbi in Maplewood, South Orange. I remember like yesterday. I remember the family. This kid came to me. Would I give him a letter that we recognize you need a letter from your clergy or two clergymen that you're... It's that they recognize you're studying for the rabbinate at a valid yeshiva. I looked at this kid. Chalo Shabbos. Parents of Chalo Shabbos. Grandparents of Shami Shabbos. Newark people. They're in the suburbs. The kid was enrolled in a yeshiva in Brooklyn. Yes, I gave him the letter. But why did I give him the letter? In the hopes, maybe, exposure to Torah, considering he was one generation removed. And, and perhaps exposure, something good will happen. Problem is, I left America that year to come on Aliyah, and I have no idea what happened afterwards. But you understand, that was a generation, suddenly all over Brooklyn, yeshiva on top of yeshiva, there was a Yavna yeshiva, others studying, paying money. What's going on here? It was all a a, a draft dodging uh, existence. Who's right? Or on the other hand, Dainochinami, <laughs> Mitokshalishmah, it comes to Lishmah. It's look, the debate is endless. And what about what like, goes on in Rabbi Hartman's institution? you open it up the whole concept it began with Hartman now it's Elul the base Medrash it's open from people irreligious people uh, merits people Maftal people Maymud people everyone studies together analyze then you go further Hartman now has teachings for priests and nuns and clergy and non-Jewish clergy come in from all over the world and now they have Imnims and Arab Arab philosophers and there are some Mohammedans who speak very intelligently and and, and, and very open-minded. And, and, and don't want to destroy Jews and don't want to kill Jews where do you draw the line? where's Torah? where's Chachma? where are the students? what's the line? when the Torah turns into Chachma When is it's a religious experience secular experience what type of students? who do you teach? what do you teach? how do you influence? these are very difficult questions we don't have 100% answers each one has to struggle with himself and be the machane he can be to his best are different. This is why students have choice. This is why one of the greatest days in YU that didn't exist in our time is today in YU. Imagine you pick your shear. It's an amazing concept. In my days they forced you. If I would have been able to pick my shear, I wouldn't be sitting here today. Because I know what I know exactly what has happened to me. I wanted to desperately remain by Rabbi Ruchem Gurelick. I would have left YU, gone on to mir, who knows, brisk you Yerushalayim. I'd be sitting in, in, in Gaula today saying Shia, to the same amount of students actually, but saying Shia in Geula, uh, to the same amount of students. But 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 today you picked the Shia, it's an amazing thing. Of course, it has a downside that we can't even understand. In my days, the minute a Rebbe hit 30 students, 35, that was the end of it. You couldn't get into the Shia, finished, closed. Today you have Shirm, my Abba Branschvig, who I grew up with, my dear friend, Rabba, they tell me he has 120 students in his ship. 120, how can you teach 100? That, that's a professor, It's not a Rebbe. I taught at Hebrew U, 1970, I ran away from the plague. I couldn't handle it. For me to go into a classroom with boys and girls sitting half naked and all that's on their mind, even at that time, is Clinton and moniker and a little bit of uh, goofballs and dope and needles, and I'm teaching Jewish history. I couldn't handle it. I come from a Torah world. I'm a, I'm a Torah personality. I couldn't handle it. I ran away from the plague. But on professor gets up. My daughter is now in graduate school. Six children went back to graduate school. Psychology, 180 students in the room. That's a professor. A branch Spiegel, 120, so someone just told me, a student of his, well, only 80 show for class, the other 40 don't bother show, the other 40 don't bother show what they're doing in the Shia, and out of the 80, if you talk with him, he knows the names, all right, I don't understand it, it's a different world, I have to plead ignorance and innocence and lack of understanding. But nevertheless, it's a great thing that you and YU choose your Rebbe, because Aaron Rechepet can be the greatest Rebbe for, 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 for this individual, for the other individual, I'm a cup of poison. The Rabbi Branchman can be the greatest Rebbe for Nathaniel for some other kid. The kid works on top his class. He runs away like from the fire. I can only tell you when, when Klausner went into Rabbi Parnas' class, there was an unbelievable exchange. We spoke about Klausner, so Klausner's name is Joseph Klein Klausner. So if you know Rabbi Panis, if you know Teddy, you know, understand what's happened to him over the years. He's taking attendance and he says... Yosef Chaim Klausner, he says, Klausner, I hope you're not related to that Afikorin's professor, Yosef Chaim Klausner. And Klausner looks at him, he says, Rabbi Parnas, that's my great uncle. You understand? But nevertheless, they became best of friends. But you know, already, it's a very personal matter. It's like, pardon me, it's like finding a wife. Bani Shalala, I quote Aaron Rakefet: one man's passion is another man's hot water bag. You understand? You describe a girl. There's a girl. You can think she's the most beautiful girl in the world. I set up a comic where she comes out. He says, Rebbe, what did you set me up with? She looks like an anteater. Then you have a guy, you have a girl that you're ashamed, but she looks like you set her up with this guy. The guy comes back, Rebbe, what a beauty! She stepped out of Hollywood. You understand? Go and figure it out. I can tell you, it's it's impossible. This is what the Gemara says we're with the Shvachat and the Avadim and he made all the Sheduchim and and they were beating the hell out of each other. Remember? And 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 this is what it's all about. The Eibush, since he created the world, has to make Shiduchim. If not for the Eibush, we'd never get there. Same thing, Lahavdilus with, with the Rebbe. So this is the Gemara and the. Torah belongs to the Rebbe, and the Rebbe has a right to choose what format, which format, how to teach, and, and this is the only way you can understand these Gemaras, Merit the Gemaras. But, Avi is right, with the Gemara criticizing, nevertheless, it's a shita. they were, they were ashen caskets, they, they, they had no, it's a shita. whether it applies today, I have my doubts, but that's because of the times in which we live, because of the strengths of the baal movement. And I'll be honest with you, as much as I'm turned off by ponytails and earrings, but when I see these kids at the koltel with kippah and they're davening, I'm overwhelmed. You know, the ponytail you can cut off, the earring you grow out of, the kids are davening, they have yurit they have feeling. This generation, we can't give up on anybody outreach, Torah, decency, our Shabbat Torah, my opinion. This generation, take the Shomer away. In this generation, Reb Lazar ben was correct, in my opinion. Okay. Now, if this is the case, and here, of course, we come to the sad part, it's irrefutable. The Rebbe owns the Torah. The Rebbe owns the Torah, he chooses to give the Torah. But here we come to the sad part. Because for only mortals. No matter how much the Rebbe chooses, no matter how much the Talmud chooses, in this relationship, there is always a built-in tragic experience. And the tragedy is very simple. No Rebbe can ever give his Talmudim what he wants to give them and no Talmud can ever receive from the Rebbe what he would like to receive. And that's the Gemara and Sanhedrin of Samechet Aleph. The Rebbe used to speak about this time and again. Some Omeralaf. Kishachala Rebbe L'yeza Nichnesu Rebbe Kiva v'chaver of The great Rebbe L'yeza was sick. Dying. Rebbe Akiva and his friends, Talmud and Rebbe Leze, came in to visit the Rebbe. And the Rebbe, they said, Rebbe, what are you crying? What are you upset about? And he took, <speaking in Hebrew> <speaking in Hebrew> that now, my two hands are like two parts of the Sefer Torah, the two Eitzechayim. It's being closed. I'm dying. And what an analogy. As much as he learned, all he got out of his teachings was like a dog licking water at the Mediterranean Ocean. Can you imagine how much water the dog drinks from the Mediterranean? And as much as he taught, all his Talmidim got out of him was like a big tube. They squeezed out a drop or two. And this is such a sad statement, but so true. You see, it's a factor of life. When I learned with the Rav, I was young. I stood in of the Rav. I didn't have that much knowledge yet. All right, I was a kid, I had a good head. You never have the head, like Chazal said, Bimei Chupi. chupi means when I was young and had foot. Your mind is very sharp when you're young. We know from bio- biology that by the time you turn 25, thousands of brain cells start to die every day. And we don't know exactly what it does, but one thing is certain, your mind is never sharp again. Bimei chupi. Had a sharp mind. I didn't have knowledge. When I grew older, imagine in 78 I spent the Shabbos with the Rav in Boston. I spoke with him for hours. You can't believe I had the same war for the Rav. But I could already speak with him on a different level. I understand I could ask him questions, bother him, press him against the wall. My daughters remember the Rav saying to me, you're right, you're right, we were talking. I wrote down after Shabbos every topic we spoke about and everything the Rav said. And, and see, But this is a tragedy. You have a Rebbe when you're young. How much can you gain out of the Rebbe? How much knowledge? And then when you teach, was there ever a Rebbe who finished what he wanted at the start of the year? I never had a Rebbe once from the day I entered Yeshiva University in 1951 to the day I got smicha. So the Rebbe, this year we're going to do this parik and that parik and the Rav, and even when I reached the Rav and his plans, never, never did you achieve it. Rabbi Christworth and that famous talk he gave which no one recorded to my chagrin he ripped apart the yeshiva world they spend the whole year they learned six plot gemara with, with, with Mepharsham where is the Bikir? no Rabbi ever intends to teach only six plot a year but that's the reality of life I told you I'm going to finish this year before Jack gets back I happen to think that Jack is sitting here at this moment unless my eyes are seeing a double a phantom unless Rabbi Kreisworth is testing me I don't know that this is a tragedy a built-in tragedy hayam. It's, it's unbelievable unbelievable what the Rebbe is saying here. now this tragedy reflects also on a personal level because the Rebbe had one Rebbe his father think for a minute how many years the Rebbe learned with his father and how many years he didn't when did he start learning with his father basically when he was 8 years old when does he leave for Berlin? He leaves Warsaw, 1926. So that when all is said and done, the Rev studied with his father 17 or 18 years, if that much, because including these years, World War I, the communist takeover of, of, of white Russia, running away at danger to life described by Shulamit Meiselman to Warsaw. In Warsaw, Reb Moshe has to go into a whole new world of Tachkamoni and Chachmat Yisrael and the fights with Professor Meir Balaban. How much peace of mind did he have to teach the Rav? The Rav already was at university in Warsaw. How many years did he study with the Rav? There's the Meretic Yetzai Tresha that the Rav gave in 1970, I believe it was, Meretic Tresha, where he speaks about what it means, a Rebbe Mufak. And he develops the idea, it's not the majority of your knowledge, but what it means is Rov Chachmato the type of knowledge you have, the understanding, the ability to learn. He said, as much as I learned with my father, I had to learn much more on my own. But my father gave me the way, the approach, the insight, how to learn, how to develop ideas. And and this is the tragedy. Imagine if you could bother Reb Moshe go back to him as you learn every surgery, as you develop, as you go further, if you could go back to the Chaim, if you could go back to the Beit HaLevi. This is the tragedy. And a Rebbe can't. It's limited. The student can't. It's limited. You have a Rebbe. That's it. And then the Rebbe who wants to give over, how much does a Rebbe know? I don't want to go further. But I know my own teaching, you know how many times I bite my lips. I don't want to go too far abreast of the material. You ask me questions. You trouble me. You bother me. I have answers. I have knowledge. I want to give it to you. How much can I give? look what we're limited here look one year look at the Mesirat Nefesh you show coming in this morning to this year no yoredeya, no orachayim exams no Rebarance exams it's Mesirat Nefesh on you the year goes by right or wrong it's a 12 year course a 5 year course what about the Jewish history class that I haven't given in years what about the Ashkafa that I hold as axiomatic if a YU person wants to survive in this world no where are you the Rebbe wants to give. It just doesn't work out. It's a tragedy. An unbelievable Gemara. And the Rub went for, and I, I believe there's a reflection here. Not I believe, I'm positive. It's a reflection of the Rub's own life. He cried about it once in a Chuvad Rasha, let alone the Yotzite Rasha I just cited to you. By the way, I cited in my book. Uh, you'll see, I cited, I worked on it very hard. It's a magnificent translation into English from the Yiddish uh, that uh, even Elman said to me, Le'ela Le'ela, le, le. he complimented me. Just, you'll see. And at Chuvaj, Russia, the Rav uh, broke down on this topic. And that's where he spoke about. If I could only speak with my father and learn in just five minutes more. And you see, we take it for granted. The Rav said, while your father's alive, while your Rebbe's alive, you take it for granted. This is, you take it for granted, nothing's going to change. We have the, you know, human beings, we have a defense mechanism. That we're going to be here forever. We don't think, ah, oh, what we have now will be here a year, two years, three years. It's a defense mechanism. Thank God we have that defense mechanism. It's healthy. It's good. It's important. But on the other hand, look at the Gemara. The Rav cried. He quoted the Gemara: Brachot Men bet Amid Bet. It simply follows the Gemara we just quoted from Sanhedrin. Kinach the Rav, Asul What happened was Rav died. The Talmudim carried him out for burial. When they came back, they returned from the burial. And when they came back, they hit the Dank River in Babylonia. And they were hungry. The living have to go on living. I remember when my cousin died. um, My aunt and uncle had a lot of trouble conceiving. And finally my aunt conceived and the baby lived less than two years, born with birth defects. And I remember my grandmother was very close because these children lived in our house, basically. This daughter, I mean, I'm talking about people who to my uncle is dead or and my aunt is in her 80s, of course. But I remember, like yesterday, it was the early 50s. I remember after the funeral, we came back and my grandmother made lunch for everybody or supper. And my grandmother said, gain we have to go on living. So the students, it's not disrespectful. The Rebbe is buried. The human being is now hungry. You recognize they were probably busy that day with the beer, with the coffin, with burying the Rebbe. They didn't have time to eat properly. And now it's already evening time. They're hungry. Beautiful description. So the Gemara describes uh, they sat down on the river bank, They took out sandwiches, took out bread, they washed, they made a bracha. And they sat down in little groups two here, three here, two here, three here. And then when they finished eating, they raised the question, <laughs> And they raised a simple question. Can we join together for a million? Can we bench with a zeman? What does it mean? We have to sit together one next to the other? Or perhaps since we said let's wash and let's eat at the same time and all of us sat down at the same time and washed and made a bracha even though we're scattered in an an area nevertheless we can be Mizaman together. Wonderful question. Lo havi They didn't know the answer. Like here we came back some, some people sat here three here, two here three are outside, two over there but we all washed together. The doors are open. We can see each other from afar. Didn't know the answer. Come Bahava, Kara Rav U mazona What happened here? What happened? One of the greatest talmidim got up, Rabba Baahava, and he took the kriya when a Rebbe dies one has to rip Kriya, he turned it around and ripped another Kriya. So the Reb said, What's happening here? And he cried out, our Rebbe died, and the simplest laws of Birchat HaMazon we didn't learn from the Rebbe. What's happening here? And the Rebbe explained so magnificently. Yes, they ripped Korea the first time. Rebbe died. They felt bad. They felt horrible. They didn't realize how great the tragedy was. Now, when they're coming back from the burial, and the simplest laws they don't know, Then he felt the shat chamimum, chimum for well, uh, for real. Understand? Old people have to die. Kachidaka At my age, I told you, I live among the dead. It's a frightening thing. My wife and I both commented that every day we learn of someone else we know who died. All right, that's life. God made the world. We ate of the tree of knowledge. Finished. We ruined it. We have to die. So they ripped Kriya. A Rebbe died. A parent died. You have to rip Kriya. But the himum came when they recognized two hours after the burial, the Rebbe is gone. And the simplest halachot, he did not teach us. And this is the Gemara in San of And I can tell you now about the Rav. Look what's going on. We don't know until today. Look at the at the Rav. He walked among us for so many years. So many students knew Rebbe. So many students had an intimate relationship with Rebbe. Students observed Rebbe. Did he say "halal Yomad Smut? Didn't he? Chatsli halal hol halal. Did he say "sim shalom"? Shalom, Rabbi Menachem. Did he daven the sukhashkinas? There's are theories he daven the sukhari. Nefeshul shechter certainly knew the Rav. Published nefesh harav. How much of a critique I heard when I was in Boston about what he describes the Rubsman hug. I'm not talking now the other critique. I'm not talking now what everyone else is going berserk over that. The, the lack of Zion, the lack of secular studies. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about on the heart of the book where Abhashal is a master. Even on that, the, the, the people told me in Boston, he's 20% wrong, he's 25% wrong. It's unbelievable. The man lived among us. He davened. We watched him. We observed him. We saw him. I don't know. Did he say Sim Shalom at Mincha? What did he say, Shalom Rav? Nemanah. He said Sim Shalom, not Shalom Rav at Mincha during the week, not Shabbos. Aided Nemanah. Did he sit Rav Stand for Dalla? Even on that, that I heard with my own ears, the Rav gave a whole shear, and why it's so important to sit at Havdalah. I heard A did no, he stood at Havdalah. Did he wear a hat, didn't he wear a hat? Just yesterday, Banish Ginsburg, walking home, all right, all this, you know, everyone wears a hat, you all wear hats. I'm, I was amazed to see guys who wear black hats went at the demonstration yesterday. People think, why you? They're so black. They don't realize a black hat today is fortunately or unfortunately, it's a uniform. Nothing to do with hashkafah today. People don't realize why you are so black. They wear black hats. I said, relax, relax, relax. Some of these black hats are big up because of them. Forget it. I know them well. Some of my own students wear black hats. You talk with them about Yiddishkeit, about, about this, about that. They, they, they're, they're, they're hashkafahs. You can you hit your head against the wall. Please. So walking back, Bainish Ginsburg told me at a whole discussion, did the Rav, you know, everyone wears If you're not from, you don't wear a black hat. If you're not firm, you don't wear a black hat, etc., etc., etc. So he said, he checked it out. He asked Rav Lichtenstein, did the Rav wear a hat to daven? And Rav answered him, not all the time. If he had a hat, he put it on. If he didn't have a hat, he didn't go across the street to get a hat. Rav Lichtenstein answered him, bizarre Russian And I told him, I never remember the Rav went without a hat. Not a black hat. No one ever wore a black hat. In our times, everyone had a different hat. The Rav wore gray or brown or blue. Never black. He didn't like black. But we all wore hats. We davened. This is the way in America. Till I came in Aliyah, in Aliyah, I became an Israeli. I wear a shrimel when I davened. I keep past the Ruvah, of our generation. That's a different story. But if you hold, you need a tifa tarosh. Yes, I told this to banish Ginsburg going up to heaven. I once heard from the Rav in irrefutable proof that you don't have to wear, that you, that a, you know what the problem is? The problem is whether a, whether a yarmulke, or whether this is sufficient to be a tifatrosh. That's the problem here, basically. Also, as it didn't cover hatsibor, if, if you would, if you would put on a hat to receive the king, the melech, the president, so that, there are two sides to it. So certainly in the state of Israel, or in America, I'm gonna put in a hat to meet that 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 adulterer, whatever his name is, president of the United States, Monica's boyfriend. I'm going to wear a hat. Seventy percent of the people dance nude with him, and I'm going to wear a hat to meet him in Israel. He's a white Let's not talk about his reputation and his sexual behavior. The, the Moshe Dayan's brother-in-law, the Hakim of Ramnisa. I'm going to wear a hat to meet him. Cut it out. So then, there's a different question. If this is a Rosh. So some hold you need to cover the whole head, and you and need either a big, big yarmulke, or you need a hat. This would not be sufficient. Some hold, you know, Rabmatius Chiver that it has to be recognizable, the size of it, this, or maybe, whatever, this is certainly Atifa If you hold, you don't need a hat. But the Rav, this I did tell Bainish, as much as I saw the Rav wearing a hat, one thing I saw, the Rav brought an irrefutable proof. Do you remember? I think I once told you, Jack, an irrefutable proof. Until today, she clinked me in cup. It rings in my head. I have to translate all Yiddish here because there's some, a Sra- Sra- here and the boys that are that are Ashkenazim already, they, they, they forgot the Yiddish. They never knew. So uh, so the Rav brought an irrefutable You know what the proof is? Leil HaSeda the Rub said if you wear a hat to wear a hat you have to wear a hat for every time there's a Birchat Mitzvah not just for davening you have to wear a hat for the sake of argument uh, to, to, to make kiddush. don't you wear a hat to make kiddush? don't you wear a hat to bench Birchat Mitzvah hold the course you have to bench don't people put on a hat those that are Mokbid to daven to bench to make kiddush, create a Torah either a hat or you tell us over the head right or wrong a tell us over the head is certainly a Tifatrosh Leil Haseda, that Moshe used to sit there and make the whole Haggadah, recite the whole Haggadah without a hat. If you need Atifat Rosh for Birchat Mitzvah, what about Kiddush? What about, what about, uh, Mora? What about Matzah? What about Dalit Kosat? You have Dine Brachat, right or wrong, Kosho Mitzvah, Kosho Bracha. and there was no Atifat Rosh. And the Rub said, I don't have any answer because at all other times Rabbi Moshe wore a hat. Not, not lel Haseta. So that would show you that Rabbi Moshe held and probably he saw Rabbi Chaim do it. Chaim saw the Beit HaLevi. The Beit HaLevi saw Rabbi, Rabbi Yitzel Veloj. Rabbi Chaim Veloj. Rabbi Chaim Perhaps the Peshat is that wearing a hat, at davening is covered. Not a Tifet if it's didn't cover, then it has to be measured by society. could very well be in England, in Her Majesty's presence, where you have to be dressed formally, and with a white a topper, a, a high hat, it could be there when I daven, I have to put on a high hat. I don't know, I'm just throwing out the thought. But look, even questions like this, did the rub wear a hat? Didn't he wear a hat? If he would have asked me, I would have sworn to him, I never saw the Rav daven without a hat. He asked Rabbaren Lichtenstein, Mi lana yoten than If I can use Hasidic terminology, the chatan of the Rav, the Talmud Murfak of the Rav. lana And Rabbaren said, hey, that the Rav didn't wear a hat all the time. When he dumped he had a hat, he put it on. He didn't have a hat. He didn't bother going across the street to get a hat. Quote, end quote, as Rabbi Benish Ginsberg told it to me yesterday. So this is the Gemara. This is the Gemara. Oh, wow, this is the Gemara. If this is the case, what a tragedy. What a tragedy. We have the Korea, And it could very well be. I just had a Kriya a moment ago. I ripped Kriya when my rabbi died, Einachinami, everything is true. It's a big shite the Rebbe died in Chalamite, I ripped Kriya right after Khalamaid. Rabbi Lichtenstein is from Shlomo Zalman Orbach, should he ripped Kriya? Chalamite. Rabbi Shlomo Zalman said, once you're asking right? ready, you're not allowed to rip. You understand? It's an interesting thing, because it's a mach it's a sappaiskim for your parents, but once you're asking, it's a sign ready, right? the chimimim isn't there. If the chima is not there, you certainly can't rip in Chalamaid So I ripped Kriya after Khalamaid, but whatever I did, now I have to rip Kriya. Now I feel it, you understand? The easiest question. Same Shalom Shalom Rav Hallel Look what we're talking about The man died when It's not ancient history He stopped functioning 1985 It's not ancient history Some Talmudim With the Rav For decades We were in touch with him Decades I didn't see him so much The last years Obviously when I came in Aliyah But I remained very close to him Others mamish were in touch with him On a daily basis The simplest questions And everyone is telling you A different story Everyone is writing A different article this requires a second Kriya and that's a built-in tragedy. What a tragedy. Okay. So, let me go one step further. One step further. If this is correct and the Rav said it's absolutely correct, then there are tremendous halachic differences. Torah Shebaal Per, you must comprehend Torishabektav is constantly perception. You just have to hear, even if you don't understand a word. And the Torah stresses this itself. Shmot Chavtalat Pasuk Sayin. We just read it in Mishpatim. Vayikra Seifa Habrit. Vayikra Beis Nehem. Moshe Rabbeinu Seifa Habrit reads the Torah. Vayikra Beis It's a perfunctory act of reading. It doesn't matter whether or not the people understand. It comes to the Melech, the Varim Zayun Psukim Yudchet Yudet, V'haya kishifto al kisen mamlachto, <laughs> katav Lo et Mishnah ha-Torah hazot, Al seifum lefne ha-Konim ha the V'kara bo kol yemei chayav. Chiv on the king, special second Torah, he must have it, with him at all times, goes out, comes in, travels with him, writes it from the Sefer Torah in the Azara, but look what the Torah says. Not that he studies it, not that he learns. He has to read a perfunctory act of reading. And therefore, the Rav said, if this is so that whenever you talk about Torah Shabbat, it's a din in Kriya, this will explain. A very basic halacha. And look how for us it's halacha l'maysa. Kriyat Megillah. And let me end off with this. Kriyat Megillah. The mishnah in Megillah. Perikbet. Halacha Ralef. Look at the halacha. It's almost... Can't comprehend it. V'haloes sheshama ashurit. Yotsa. What does it mean? Loes sheshama ashurit. Know what it means? Loez, Avi, art scroll person, doesn't know Hebrew. Art scroll. Shema Ashurat comes in to create HaMegillah. And they're reading it on Ashurat. Ashurat means the Hebrew we use today, the script we use today. Didn't understand one word. Imagine to hear the whole Megillah, all the prakim. 45 minutes worth of reading. In my shoe where we don't allow any kids in and we slaughter anyone who makes noise, 28 minutes worth of reading. You know, create megillus of problem. No one's Yotze today. I govern it a minion. It's a pleasure. Open up your handkerchief. By the time you fold it, the McGill is over and you've been It's so, A minion of Yekis and Litvakim who care. That otherwise you go to Shul's. But imagine, a guy comes into Shul, 45 minutes. Would you watch a movie in Italian with no subtitles? Would you watch a movie in Chinese with no subtitle? Forty-five minutes this, this wonderful, good, pious Jew stands in shul and he hears them read a language that is foreign to him and he knows he has to listen to every word. He can't look at his art scroll English at that time and he's say, What does the Mishnah mean? And here's what the ruf said. Because Kriya Tamigillah, it's a din in Kriya. This is a din, it resembles Torah Shubachtov. It's Tanakh. It's a din in Mikra. It's a din in Mikra Megillah. And this is exactly, exactly like the reading of the Torah. Exactly right whenever the Torah stresses the reading of the Torah. If it's talking about Hakel, if it's talking about Moshe Rabbeinu and the Kritat Brit with the Jews, if it's talking about the Mishnah Torah of the Melech, the Torah constantly stresses it's a din in Mikra, not in Limud. And this is because of our Yisrael, Hanacha that we began an hour and a half ago, that when it comes to Torah Shebichtav, it's a din in perception, not in comprehension. And this Loazi didn't understand the word. It's true. But the perception was there. There was a reading. There was a mikra He observed it. He listened. He didn't comprehend it. But this is all that the halacha demands of him. He's Yotze. And this can only be Torah Shebichtav. Torah Shabbat is totally different. And we'll pick it up next week. So to reiterate, I have to say that my words about the Rav, it's, it, uh, I'm, I'm haunted by it. I, I, I Constantly, it constantly, you know, the simplest matters. I mean, I, yesterday I was shaking. Did the Rav wear a hat when he davened? I mean, the simplest matters. I don't remember the Rav not wearing a hat. And I would have been answered, Absolutely. And here, a Baran Lichtenstein turned it all around. The simplest matters. What do you remember with the Rav? Did you remember him davening without a hat? You don't remember. I tell you, it's shocking. But anyway, it's very powerful. What, what, I, what, I, what, I, what, I, what I said today is very powerful and, and irrefutable. And this is the Rav, Kedako Bakoldish, right on, right on. One Chidosh after another. Okay, so we finished out, we, 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 we finished out the on Pesach I, I called your attention. I called your attention to, uh, to uh, the Rubs reaction with Klausner. It, it, it's, it's a Rebbe, a Rebbe at his finest, a Rebbe at his best. That's all I can say. And if you, the trouble is that you don't know Rabbi Klausner, if you knew Josef Klausner, you could appreciate all the more what I'm saying. Then we went into the Talmud Rebbe relationship and there's no question about it that Rebbe owns the Torah Shebaal Peh. It's yours. That's why we can ask the Rebbe, don't take a salary. Teach for nothing. Torah Shebaal is a shliach. He doesn't own it. You have no right to ask him to waive it. But where he owns it, give it away for nothing. That's why a Rebbe has a right to open up a yeshiva, not open up a yeshiva Teach a lot of Talmudim, limit the number of Talmudim. That's from Gamliel, Rebbe Leza Ben-Azair. It's, it's an interesting, my whole uh, give and take with Avi Schneider was fascinating. And it has a lot of contemporary implication. And uh, I don't know, it could even be in this generation. Do we need some rabbayim who reach out to the masses and others who are more diffident and, 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 and retreat to a certain degree and only the greatest student finds him if you want an example Rabbi Yosef Halevi Salavechik Rabbaran's son who I consider not only me anyone who knows him he's the greatest Salavechik in the new generation in terms of learning he's a giant but Rabbi Yosef if you go to him and say you want to be in his yeshiva he'll put you through 10 tests and 9 out of 10 times he'll reject you and that's his attitude. He only wants to have the chosen few. And he wants to have those that, that are totally committed, that the gemilet chesed, the maizm tovim, is ahead of their Torah. It's an amazing concept, an amazing uh, uh, an amazing way for a Salavachik to live. But that's Rabbi Yosef HaTzadik. Although I have to say that he's now on the radio twice a week, and uh, through his shiya on the radio on one of the Shas uh, Haredi stations, He's built up a following of hundreds. I understand they listened to him in Hebron Yeshiv and Parat Yosef. Gadoli Yisrael from, from the Shaz Meha Torah listened to him. And uh, the name Salavechik is in golden letters today in these circles, thanks to Reb Yosef. But the Rebbe has a choice and no one can find fault with him. And this leads us to the whole Vietnam situation, everything we spoke about. Then, of course, the built-in tragedy. Those are powerful words, the Gemara and Sanhedrin, Caliph uh, HaMalakek Minayam, Rav, Rav Ravada Ba'ahava. The Rav cried. I remember at that at that Shivajah he broke down when he quoted that Gemara. And I think it's a reflection of his own relationship with his father. And then of course if we're correct then it affects us And a very prominent example we ended off in Yon is Kriyat Megillah. And we'll pick up right from here next week.